Feeling better? Looking better. Making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Light Tip Show, everyone. I'm here with Tony. Tony, welcome. Hi. Nice to be here. Right, indeed. So we're going to talk about a topic called busy, and thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us about being busy. <laughs> um, but uh, in general, why, why was busy such an interesting topic for you to put so much research into? You know what? I just came across it everywhere. I work with multinationals and all over the world, and pretty much every conversation, whether it was in a team, an organization, or with an individual, at some point led to the topic of busy and overwhelm. Tell us a little bit about your background leading into this, um, into writing the book. I know that you're a business psychologist, which is interesting in itself. Tell us, what is a business psychologist, and, uh, and what kind of work have you been doing? Yeah, so really, I look at the way people think, feel, and behave at work. And so, you know, I'll work with leadership teams, I might work with cultures, I might work with, with individual leaders as well, around helping them to do those three things better. Have you uh, worked with both small and large companies? When most people think about bringing on a consultant to analyze a business and help with a management team, it tends to be larger companies with bigger budgets. But what have you done that's interesting for smaller companies or nonprofit organizations and helping them straighten out their problems and better work together as a group? Yeah, it's interesting. I've done a fair bit of work with the Times in the UK where we have a mentoring program where we work with well, we, we effectively select, ask, people, ask companies, small companies to apply to us, and then we select the ones that we want to work with, and we work with a, a dozen each year to just to help them to think through problems, particularly of growth, because a lot of those companies are, are at a stage when the founder has got to the level of they're completely swamped by running the business, and, and, it's, if they, and yet they have aspirations to grow. So to find a way of working um, on the business rather than in the business. So part of my work there would be to help founders and leaders to actually make that shift. Perfect. I've just completed an interesting exercise with a consulting company that I brought in for a company called Writer Access, which is my day job. And I have to tell you, I was completely blown away by what impact an outside view can have on on how we're running the business. Can you talk about the impact that that you're coming to with company? What sort of impact, when you talk about you're a business psychologist, are you, are you doing big structure issues with things like comp plans or motivation employees? What are you tapping into uh, on that frontier that, mm. that, that might help us understand what you're doing with, with your, your book, Busy? Mm. So it might be, so for example, I'm working with a, a hedge fund in the U.S. at the moment, and, and that's looking at the way one of the big things that they're grappling with is how do we we used to operate in a world where there was we you know a very cash rich business and now all of a sudden because of regulation because of margins because of competition things are tighter also the the business world that they're facing is getting more and more complex the number of products they're dealing with are getting more and more complex the decision making process is getting more complex and so my work there is to to actually look at 
how do they how do they find a way of focusing and making choices on the things that are going to be most important for their business but that runs through that's not so much at the portfolio manager level but it's more about all the way through the business so they're getting better at for example saying no to things they're getting better at choosing which is more important of the of the of the many things that they're focusing on because one of the things that i find is with a lot of people and companies that i work with is a lot of their strategies are based on the assumption that they can do everything and that used to work in, in a scarce world but of course in the world we live in today, there's just too much things, too much opportunity, too many choices. And so a lot of it is just helping people get much better at choosing between rather than choosing whether or not they want to do things. Where do we go wrong when we start declaring perpetually, I'm busy, I'm flat out? What is wrong with our thinking? Well, you know what? We... We evolved, and our you know we evolved for a scarce world where more was self-evidently a good thing. We, you know, a lot of our management philosophies and our approach to career management came from the industrial revolution, where competitive advantage came from doing more than anybody else. So we think more is self-evidently a good thing, um, and so the research shows that we brag ceaselessly about being busy. I mean, I you know. I think what happens now when we come back from holiday is the first thing we're saying is, wow, I had 3,000 emails when I got back. And then the person that you're talking to says, well, I had 4,000. And you've just been out busied. We somehow, for all we moan endlessly about how busy we are, deep down we're bragging about it. Deep down we think it's a good thing. And is that translating to almost a subliminal message to I'm important I, I need a raise. You know, what do you read into somebody perpetually declaring they're, they're flat out and busy all the time? Well, well, you know what? I mean, look, we do it in, especially with small companies, we do it as well. We say, are you busy? And really the reason we're saying, are you busy, is because we're too polite to say, are you important or are you successful? It's become a proxy for many things. But, but the, the, the challenge that I find for a lot of companies, whether, whether small and large, is what's happening is people because they have this somehow belief that more is good, that kind of this furious activity is a useful thing, they just stop thinking. And, you know, the, the research is fairly overwhelming that a, a lot of people in organizations these just aren't thinking. One study showed that people were thinking less than 30 minutes a day, which in a more complex world than we've ever lived, that doesn't seem like a good thing. Are we, why aren't we asking people, for example, Hey, you know, not are you busy or not, but are you working on the right thing at the right time? Why doesn't that ever cross our minds? No, I know, isn't it interesting? And and we, I mean, actually, probably Oscar Wilde used to um, get really irritated um, when people used to say, "So, what are you doing these days?" He thought the only um, intelligent, sophisticated question was, "What are you thinking about these days?" And and I think. It's kind of, we focus on the activity as opposed to the outcome. We focus on getting stuff done as opposed to impact. And it's, it's an easier question. It's a more superficial question. But it becomes pervasive and it becomes a habit that we just end up getting sucked into activity. And for, look, for many of us, 
if we're really, really honest, it's a form of procrastination, all this busyness. What about the notion of, of, of being overwhelmed, though, Tony? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big concern for, for many people. <clears throat> we, we, we do have a lot more at our fingertips these days with, with data, how it comes to us. It, we get, of course, not too many handwritten notes these days. Emails are so easy to send. Everybody wants to communicate quickly and efficiently. And, and so, but what about this feeling of being overwhelmed and not completing mm. tasks during the day that make us feel good? It's like so much comes at us. We don't feel satisfaction for cleaning everything off our desk that comes in because it's perpetually piling up. Is there some truth to that? And what's your take on that when it comes to busy? You know, there's huge truth in it. Um, and look, none of this stuff is easy. I mean, I think we're, we're having to unlearn habits and really too much. I talk about the world of too much. Too much has only really been with us for the last 15, 20 years when it comes to this almost infinite information. IBM recently estimated that the complete knowledge of the world would double about every two years. Sorry, it would, would double every 11 hours in a couple of years' time. That's the speed that things, information is coming at us these days. Um, and it's easy to, to feel that in the face of all that, I'll get my satisfaction from quick fixes. I'll get my satisfaction from the quick fix of slashing through my to-do list, of feeling this sense of completion of doing lots of things. But one of the, one of the things I find is this sense of overwhelm that um, can sometimes lead to a desire to do more, therefore get on top. But actually what happens is when we actually work harder and really kind of focus our, on our time, to, time management to get more things done, all that happens is we do more things, and therefore we get busier, and therefore we think less. So it becomes a negative spiral. So it's very natural that in a response to feeling there's loads coming at us, the natural response is to think, I need to do more. But it would be better taking a lesson out of Apple's book. I mean, Tim Cook famously said, we're the most focused company in the world, because every day we say no to great ideas so we could put enormous energy behind the few that we choose. We, we have more impact, both as an entrepreneur or as an individual within a large corporation, to actually doing less with enormous energy and having more impact, even if it's not necessarily the most tempting thing to do in the moment. That's an interesting uh, question. I want to get back to that in a second and follow up on that, but I do have an important thing that I want to pull from the book more. What... What are our worst habits and, 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 and that, that make us both feel and declare that we're, quote, too busy? Well, you know what? I think, um, I, I think busy is a choice. Now, that sounds a strange thing to say, but because people think, well, I'm not busy. I'm busy because there's too much to do. But the story I, I'd give is, is of a Siamese fighting fish who actually – if you keep on putting food in its bowl, will literally eat itself to death. Um, and there's a there's a mindlessness there that a lot of a lot of us have. We reach for our phones within the first five seconds of the morning. We you know we look at our phones all the time. So there's a lot of um, mindlessness in our habit that makes us choose endlessly for more busy. Um, and so what I don't think people are doing is they're choosing. I want an overwhelmed life. I want to do endlessly, and then I have to sacrifice a lot of things that are important to me by cramming my life over full with things. But we make lots of small decisions in the moment that ultimately lead us to be too busy. I, I mean, one of the things I touched on earlier is this 
question that a lot of us ask about whether or not versus which. And the example I would give there is at a buffet table, you walk along a buffet table and you ask whether or not you want chicken korma or whether or not you want sweet and sour pork or, or whatever the choice is. And the answer to that, if you like your food like me, is always yes. We ask the same at work, whether or not we should go to that meeting, whether or not we should sign up our child to that other after-school class, whether or not we should take up kite surfing, whatever it is. And the answer to these, because these are all good things, is yes. But in, in economics, they talk about the opportunity cost. And when we're constantly choosing more and more, and we're only asking ourselves whether or not that thing's a worthwhile thing, it, it, it ignores the impact of choosing that. And whenever we choose something, we're always unchoosing something else. And what I'm finding is if, if I had to boil down busy into the single worst habit, it's that we don't look at the real cost of the decisions that we're made, making in the moment. And actually, if all we do is get much more conscious of the real cost of that, or the things that we really want to choose for, we'll make better choices in the moment. How does it feel to be not busy? <laughs> well, for me, the, so for me, the opposite of busy isn't relaxation on a beach. I think actually very few people I ever work with, certainly entrepreneurs, very few people say their goal in working with me is to have tons of free time to wallow around doing nothing. What they say to me is they want to be able to put more quality time into the business. They want to come up with ways of growing the market share that they're just not getting time to do at the moment. They want to spend more time with the children or whatever the case may be. Effectively, what they're saying is the old thing. They want to focus on the things that are going to make a difference to their, their lives. So actually, the feeling of being unbusy, to take your question, isn't having loads of time on your hands. But what it is a feeling of is more engagement, more real focus in the problems of the people that matter to you in your life and to do each of those things for longer and to switch less often. Because you talked about overwhelm earlier. Actually, one of the biggest feelings, one of the biggest drivers of our sense of overwhelm is the frequency with which we switch between activities. The attention just gets scattered by constantly back, bouncing backwards and forwards between things. And it's that that makes us exhausted. It's that that makes us, um, that makes us feel overwhelmed every bit as much as the amount of things overall that we're doing. Fascinating. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is February 15th, 2016. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 14th Annual Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your entry today at iacaward.org. That's iacaward.org. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Tony. Tony, thanks so much for being on the phone with us today. How does the word priority strike you as it relates to making yourself more productive and more focused on the things that matter? Is that the key? Is that the secret? You know, I think the um, Stephen Covey famously had a, a saying, first things first, as part of his seven habits. And those things are still true. I mean, the, the word priority... Um, I remember reading somewhere was a singular word until um, fairly recently. Um, and now I work with organizations and, and, and they do have lists of 25 priorities, which clearly doesn't make sense. So I think and one of the most common questions I get asked when I work with groups is, but how do I, how do I focus on what's really important to me? Well, I'm not really sure what's really important to me. And so the starting point it's not the only thing, but the starting point clearly is getting really clear of what your priorities are, but not in a general way. There's no gravitational pull that comes from a, a general sense that I want to spend more time with my family. It's getting really, really clear and specific about what it is that's important and which aspect of spending time with your family is the thing that you're going to really prioritize and do for the sake of argument, or which part of the business growth that you really got to invest time in. When we get specific on those, they actually exert more pull on our behavior and our choices. How does the complexity of, of, of a business play into the feeling of the individuals in business? And I want to have you <clears throat> think a little bit about, you know, company goals versus department goals versus individual goals and how all three of those things to work in unison and how a company goal, for example, might overwhelm a particular department or uh, our department goals may overwhelm a particular individual as they're taking on too much and feeling too busy. It, 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 can you talk about how the, the, the business uh, looks at this 
problem of being busy as it relates to executing its goals for individuals that will be the ones bearing the the burden of that busyness. Mm. Yeah. So, the, I mean, a lot a lot of it starts with just getting a sense of a stack rank, if you like, or a you know, coming to the, back to the word priority. What, what is the, what is the priority that matters most, and then going going off down there, and. Most of the most of the organisations I work with um, over set over ambitious goals, but then most of the individuals that I work with set over ambitious goals. Something called the the planning fallacy means that almost humans by nature set goals that are too ambitious. And then if you also assume that there's too much communication going on, there's too many meetings going on, then the reality is we can't do it all. So therefore, at any given point, we just have to choose one of the. One of the statistics I really like is um, since the mid-80s, the amount of information that we've all consumed has increased five times. Now, our brains haven't changed in that time, so that's an astonishing increase from the amount of information that we're trying to cram into our gray matter. But over the same time, the amount of information that we're all producing has increased 200 times. So we're we're producing 200 times more content over that time. Now, if you hold those numbers together, that must mean the vast majority of all our productivity is just white noise. No one, no one can consume it. So I think we have to give ourselves a bit of a break. And as, when I'm working with managers, you know, part of what I'm doing is, is helping them to, to, to recognize that, that they have to well, give ourselves a break is the permission we need to make choices. But when I'm working with managers, what I'm saying is I'm just taking it back to, look, if you try and get your people to do everything, they'll achieve nothing. So what are the choices that you need to make? What are the risks you need to take to focus on that rather than trying to do everything? And it's that constant battle of choosing between that's, that's where the real battle is. So even if, it, even if there are many different um, priorities coming from all different directions, when it comes to the individual or the manager working with an individual, it's about saying, yes, but which do I place first? Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Tony. Tony, thanks so much for being on the phone with us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. pleasure. I, need, I needed to take like a 45-minute nap in between our break here so I could gather all this heavy data that you're laying on us here. <laughs> but I'm well-rested now, so here we are back again. <laughs> do you think that there is an unproductive busy versus a productive busy can you distinguish in your mind those two variables yeah and and look what i'm the way i would distinguish it is i describe busy as this racing rushing cramming bouncing frenetic overwhelmed um activity that many of us are in from the moment we wait to the moment we go to bed i discover i talk about full engagement as being working for decent chunks of time on things that really matter to you. So I would say really productive busy might be, you might be working, you know, really hard through the day. And I'm, I'm, no, I'm not suggesting that we don't work really hard, um, but you're doing it by switching less often. So the email's off, for example, you're focusing for um, an hour at a time on the big stuff. And then you're clustering your... Um, small tasks like email, like voicemail, into clusters um, and, and nailing them all in, in one go. So I think there is a big difference, but it comes back to, is it working on the important stuff? 
is it working for a sustained amount of time? Um, and are you clustering the, you know, the micro distractions, if you like, into lumps so you can slash through them in bursts? In some ways, couldn't you blame all this busy problem on managers that are uh, making assumptions that their employees are, are capable and able to, to produce things at a faster pace than other people? And, uh, and, 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 and if so, why can't that be corrected? Um, the, I think we could, how can I say this? I think everyone's looking to blame somebody else. So I find leaders who want to point the blame at other people, maybe it's the competition, maybe it's the people aren't making the right choices. I find managers stuck in the middle from the, you know, and I find employees who are pointing the finger up. One of the things, probably the most common question when I'm working with groups is when people, is when someone says, look, Tony, I've heard all you're saying, but what about me? I'm, I'm a single parent. I've got seven children. I run six multi-million dollar projects. I've got two sick parents and a dog with leukemia. And effectively what I'm hoping I'm going to say is, yes, you're right. You, you, you have no choice. Your life is just de facto too busy. Um, and people will say the same, whether it's about the life or whether it's about the manager who's obsessive. And people devote a lot of energy to persuading me that their life is in, their busyness is impossible. Normally, when I start questioning, behind all of that, there is a kind of, there is a fear. There is a difficult conversation that needs to happen. Now, none of this is absorbing organizations. Clearly, when organizations put people in a situation where they don't feel they can, they can challenge managers, when organizations put people in a situation where they don't recognize impact versus, um, versus just getting stuff done, Microsoft, quite, you know, quite famously recently, shifted their whole performance management system. So they now measure in the performance management process the impact they've had on the organization rather than the amount of stuff that they got done, if you like, the, the projects that they delivered. Um, and when, when the organization is tilted or is focused more on just how much stuff you do, then you can't blame the employees when they get, get caught up in this mire of just thinking, the only way I can succeed here is by just doing more relentlessly. So there, so there is culpability in organizations, but I, I do find too many people are looking for, the, are looking to blame their environment or, or are seeking the comfort of helplessness. What solution do you offer your readers and fans of the book to become less busy and, and more productive? So the starting point is get really clear of what's important to you. So I worked with the CVP, uh, sorry, corporate vice president, who, who, who identifies, he, he, I remember he stood up in front of a group and he said, I've never missed the wife's birthday, I've never missed a child's birthday, and I've got four children, I've never missed the first day of a, um, of a term or the last day of term. And he listed off a whole pile of dates. And he was in a multinational, in a billion-dollar business. What he'd done really well is he got incredibly specific about the moments in his family's life that were important, and therefore he always put them first. And I think we can learn a lot from that, where it's about saying, getting super clear what's important and putting those first. So it's a simple thing. I start each day just by spending a few minutes thinking about my core values, and I think very specifically how I'm going to move those forward that day. So in the battle of choices during the day, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm not just simply looking at my to-do list, which is normally fairly unimportant stuff, from which I prioritize. I'm actually inserting some important stuff there. And having, having got really clear the priorities, a lot of it is about then coming up with really simple ways to avoid distraction um, and just recognizing we're human. So, you know, we, we, people often talk about how distracted they get. But actually, we now know that there's no, you know, trying to resist temptation is, fut- is futile. The fact is, even if you hear a phone, a phone ringing, your intellectual capacity drops if you don't choose not to answer it because you want to stay focused on what you're doing. Because part of your brain is thinking, oh, I wonder who that was. The fact is, all these distractions are incredibly tempting. We're less good at resisting them than sex and chocolate. So the, the second piece is, once you've got really clear what you want, identify some really simple habits that allow you to avoid rather than resist temptation of distraction. So, um, you know, the people that we know that have really strong willpower are no better at resisting chocolate cake when it's sitting right in front of them. But they're really good at making sure that chocolate cake never gets in the fridge. So they're really good at creating the habits that allow them to avoid that temptation. And we've got off switches on all our devices. It's, it's, when people say, I have to be always on, very seldom do people have to be always on. Um, you know, the, the world will survive without you for half an hour to allow you to focus. So those two things in itself, if, if all we did is stay focused on individual tasks for a little longer, we could do the same amount of stuff, but we would get to the end of the day feeling much less tired. We would also have achieved more. On, on average, the estimation is we'll achieve 40% more if we just switch tasks a lot less. Very interesting. Cool stat there. This conversation between Byron White and Tony Crabb continues next week on the next episode of Life Tips. Until then, we hope your life is better, smarter, faster, and wiser. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.